Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Championship weekend of fantasy football almost in the books. One more game to go tonight. Did you win? Did you lose? We'll break it all down as Fantasy Sports Today starts now. Fantasy Sports Today. Toward the end zone. It is Seattle's going to the Super Bowl. Fires up the middle. Pass is caught by Owens. Owens made the catch. Pass is caught. Diggs! Sideline! Touchdown! Unbelievable! Toss to White. Hey, good morning. Welcome in. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Bish, Joe Pizzapia. Happy holidays to all of you, whatever you celebrate. And good afternoon. Craig and Joe with you once again here on the show as we get ready to wrap up 2019 over a less than a week to go, by the way, until we hit the new year. Sean Guastamaki is producing the show. And Joe, uh, championship weekend for us will come and go. And uh, unfortunately for me, it looks like we'll be the bridesmaid this year. Uh, Just uh, a tough, tough finish. And I think uh, for a lot of people, it's going to be really interesting to see how they ended up doing because there were some massive performances yesterday that kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, there really were. And you know what? A lot of performances that I think you could start looking to 2020 about. And as a fantasy analyst, I think there was a lot of exciting things to see. Uh, the finish for Miles Sanders to the season is very encouraging. Some great runs on Saturday by, by Devin Singletary. But you're right. It's, it's kind of a funny way for championship week to get drawn out because you have a bunch of games Saturday and then people who can make adjustments depending on what happens Saturday to their lineups on Sunday. And then things that happen on Sunday with a Monday night game still out there, more adjustments to be made potentially on that Monday night game. So the fact that it's been kind of spread out has been fascinating and and fun. Uh, I guess not as much fun for you, but I've got uh, the big one alive. The belt is alive. Uh, I've got a good point lead here. We got a 48 point lead going into tonight. Half point PPR. I got Kyle Rudolph. And our boy Adam Ronis, the great one, has uh, so it should be safe theoretically, but nothing is safe. Nothing is ever safe. So I will be sitting there and doing the sweat during Monday Night Football tonight. Me watching Booger McFarlane tell me about football and me sweating for a championship belt. Yeah, well, that listen, getting it to come down to it would be awesome for me. I wish I had that just to even have that chance. But down 50 points is pretty much unrealistic. And uh, whether it's Boone or Diggs, because that's all I got left, I guess. Um, it was a struggle watching that Bears game last night, watching having Allen Robinson and just having the Bears this year, another first quarter where they don't score, another first half. It's just incredible to me how bad that team has uh, gone down the drain. But on the positive note, I, I suppose, is is it fair to say at this point that Kenyon Drake ends up being the fantasy playoffs MVP? I mean, is eight touchdowns, eight <laughs> touchdowns in two of the three weeks, right? I mean, I, I guess uh, I think it's him and Saquon Barkley, which is ironic because Barkley was finally the guy that everybody drafted him to be the last couple weeks. So that was another guy for 2020 value. Him, Alvin Kamara had a couple touchdowns yesterday. All of a sudden, everybody's been coming out of the woodwork that we thought was going to be good. And uh, the trouble is, did you get to the dance in order to enjoy these performances? And Kenyon Drake, another one of these guys, man, I've been writing about Kenyon Drake for three years now, waiting and waiting and waiting for this. And I finally gotten this and it feels good except for the fact that I don't have him anywhere because I could not stomach. I had to drop him in all these spots earlier in the year because 
he's just dead weight. He was dead weight on that Dolphins team, and there was nothing you could do. You need to win games. You have to make tough decisions. But I'm happy because next year, Kenyon Drake is in a good spot. If he resigns, if he ends up somewhere else, uh, maybe the Chiefs will look after him. Maybe that's possible. There's a couple other teams we've talked about that could use a running back. But I think he is best served to say put right where he is. Chase Edmonds, I think, is going to be better in a backup role anyway. You just sprinkle him in a little bit here and there. But right now, man, a great win for the Arizona Cardinals and a great win for fantasy owners having Kenyon Drake basically go off there and lead you to a championship. Like you said, just a terrific performance. Yeah, and and hopefully he's able to get himself right because I will not be buying in at all next year just based on the things that happened in Miami. Um, it's good that he had this little run here, but I'm curious to see what happens with him when he gets paid. And that's going to be, to me, one of the big, big uh, concerns that I have going into 2020. But certainly he ended up carrying off the year very well. The one thing that uh, the one player who was supposed to be the fantasy MVP of the weekend and unfortunately was not. uh, And we'll we'll talk about this as we go through the games, Joe. But how about the disappointment of Winston on Saturday? Right. Like, oh, I mean, that was I mean, that is basically the reason why. In reality, I just I don't get how they can tag him and give him that twenty seven million dollars. Like, I just I don't see it. I, I know that they said it over the weekend that that's where they were leaning toward, but <laughs> this, this is the, this is the same exact thing that goes on all season long with him. It's one good, one bad, two good, one bad, one good, two bad. Yeah, and I yeah. I, I don't see how the reality of this play in fantasy still he'll be a stud wherever he goes, but the the reality of this I just cannot see this playing out in a positive way. I think Tampa should let him go. I think Tampa should not do this, but I guess I guess the alternatives yeah. are that bad. I guess so. Well, that's how the could they be worse? How could they what be? What are the alternatives? That's that's the issue. That's the question mark. Uh, would you be better off uh, going with Andy Dalton? Let's say and drafting kind of, a guy. Yes. Well, here here's the kind of funny thing. Well, he, here's the thing. I'm going to put this out there. Bruce Arians, when he was uh, successful in Arizona, right? He had that run with uh, Carson Palmer, a former uh, quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals, where people kind of wrote off. You remember he was awful in Oakland. Remember how bad he was that year in Oakland? And everyone's like, oh, Carson Palmer, she just retires. Terrible. And he ends up in Arizona. And everyone's like, well, that's not going to do anything. And then he had some pretty respectable years. I made the playoffs. I mean, it was a pretty good little run he had uh, with Bruce Arians. I think Andy Dalton with those two wide receivers would be terrific. I agree with you. I think they're better off not making a big financial investment there, making a smaller financial short-term investment, go out there, get a young quarterback to groom in the draft or maybe next year's draft, and let this Jameis Winston thing go by. And from a fantasy perspective, if Winston gets a starting job somewhere, he's viable. No matter how many mistakes he makes, he does enough that you got to at least consider him, especially in super flex leagues. But you're right. I think it is a bad idea. And no sooner did that news leak of them potentially keeping him then he goes out there and throws four more picks. And the first pick of the game, I mean, it was just, uh, it was like watching, amazing. you know, like when you play Madden on beginner, Craig, and you're like, everything's really loose. <laughs> That's what that game felt like. Everything was just really loose. It just, it was, it was really, that, that kind of got my uh, weekend off to a deflating start and thinking, my gosh, like I knew this was coming. I said this all year and then here I am. I'm the one that owns him and starting him in the championship, but there really weren't a lot of, um, other options, but I, I do think the reality of the story is just so much different than the fantasy side. Uh, there's no question that some team will end up taking him and end up committing to him and giving him 10, 15, 20 million, whatever it is. I mean, he he should get that. He should get a Jay Cutler one year, 20 million, whatever it is. But uh, Tampa Bay would be better served, I think, to to go in another direction. And that is really the summary where the Buccaneers will not have a will not have played a bigger game in football this season. They were not going to the playoffs. That was basically a playoff game for them playing against a team headed toward the playoffs. And and he, uh, 
and, and, he, and he immediately took them out. Yeah, he and did. So, You're right. That game was over before it started. And I'll tell you what, the other big takeaway Saturday is Josh Allen is a QB one against anybody. I don't care what the scenario is. The guy finds a way to make big plays, even against tough matchups on the road. Going into next year, there'll be a lot of people who overpay in single quarterback leagues for guys like Mahomes and guys like Lamar Jackson, and rightfully so. They are the top of the board. But if you end up with Josh Allen as your QB1 next year, you're going to be very happy. The guy rushes for touchdowns. He's getting better every time. He's not forcing the football nearly as much as he was the first six weeks of the season. That was There was a lot of big – again, this week 16 was championship week, and a lot of teams that weren't playing, like you said, maybe check out. Maybe 60%, 70% of the people aren't really dialed in. But man, there was a lot of important things that happened that I think going into next year's value. I can't wait to start writing the football book because I feel like there was so much that you could take away from these last couple of weeks, and especially Saturday, that you go look at it. Okay, I know what's going on here. I know I know what's emerging. I know what's happening. You can feel kind of a shift in the league to some of these teams and some of these young stars. It might not happen in the playoffs this year. My goodness, it's going to happen in fantasy 2020. We'll be back with the opening drive right here on Fantasy Sports Today in just a couple of minutes. Craig and Joe with you here on this Monday. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide open tailback. I call it Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Fantasy Sports Today presents First play from scrimmage. The opening drive. The first play of the game. And this is the opening drive on Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Joe Pizzapia, happy holidays to all of you who are listening. We will be back uh, on the show again here tomorrow, and we will take the day off for Christmas. So uh, hopefully you guys enjoy that. Be back here again on Thursday. Let's start off with the game tonight, which we'll preview a little bit later in the show, Joe. Monday Night Football, the Vikings and Packers. What's interesting is that because of so many points being scored, there were a million fantasy questions going online on, on uh, social media this weekend. I mean, it was incessant. It did not stop. But I wonder if it actually means anything to a lot of people tonight, because I saw those questions slow down completely after the games began. Uh, Madison, Boone, we know Cook is out. Diggs, there's a lot of big decisions tonight that people have to make. And I know that Boone certainly will be a factor in a lot of leagues. I'm guessing he is the one player that could end up winning you or losing you a championship tonight to think that people would go down to the last game of the season. Let's say you're down 10, 15 points and you start Mike Boone tonight hoping for the win. It could end up being a fantastic finish. It could end up being a dud. Nobody really knows. Yeah, you need that touchdown from Mike Boone. That's what you need. Touchdown kind of gets you in the conversation, I think. And I think the reason you see a lot of those questions slow down is once people set those lineups and that's what they have and they have, you know, Boone's their flex and they've used everything else up. There's nothing left. There's nothing left to do except sit there and watch it all play out. And a lot of people will be watching that game Monday night. It should be a fun one. 
it does mean something because it's that in-division rivalry as well as uh, obviously you got Thielen back in that game too. So a lot of people were questioning whether or not to roll him out. He's been, uh, he looks hurt to me. I mean, he does not look like Adam Thielen, but then again, we've seen guys play like that and all of a sudden they're right one week, like Saquon Barkley, and then they just take off again. So maybe we get that game out of Adam Thielen. Maybe Thielen's the guy who ends up winning people championships, ironically. Uh, maybe it is a Devontae Adams who's had a, season where he missed a giant chunk of the season and then some up and down performances because of the way this offense has evolved into a very run heavy attack Aaron Rodgers averaging about like you know 220 passing yards a game not quite the 280 they were used to from Aaron Rodgers of old so a lot of fun narratives tonight on Monday Night Football and I like that I like when things kind of come down to a big game and uh, unfortunately last night's game was kind of a uh, over before it started like you said those bears are just uh, ugh, man <laughs> terrible that offense is just putrid Yep. Horrible season for them, no question. Um, okay, so so for second down, maybe the most interesting story, and I think the, the thing that people will probably be rooting for, honestly, this weekend, is the uh, Oakland Raiders still being alive in their pursuit for the playoffs. They need four things to happen. They needed four things to happen on, on the weekend, and it did. Of course, they need to beat Denver, Joe. The Titans need to lose. The Texans need to beat uh, Tennessee. The Ravens need to beat the Steelers. I believe there's one more thing that needs to happen also. But the Raiders, to think that all they had to do was at home beat Jacksonville. That's all they had to do last week. If they would have done that and won this week, they would be in. They would be in the playoffs. And, uh, I mean, I suppose this still could happen because some of these scenarios are playing out uh, quite possibly. I mean, look, it, it, to have all four things happen, it, it seems like a long shot. But uh, especially with the Ravens probably not playing any of their guys. But Pittsburgh hasn't shown any fight. They didn't show any fight against the Jets. So who knows? Maybe Oakland gets in. Let me tell you, these scenarios are very possible. All of them. This entire concoction of what you have to do. A lot of times we get these like, well, you need this. And then this team has to win by two. And then they have to win in the dark. And then this team has to lose here. It uh, Usually it's like, all right, whatever. And you roll your eyes. Not this one. And you're right. They should have handled their damn business against Jacksonville in a very, very winnable game when you're closing out your building. I don't know what the hell they were doing there, but that was all hands on deck. You threw Josh Jacobs not healthy in that game and you still lost. And... It's first of all, they can beat Denver. Second of all, forget the Steelers competing with the Ravens. Come stop. Just I mean, the only difficult thing with that is what do the Ravens have to play for? Nothing. So can the Steelers beat the Ravens backups is the question. And then the Titans have to lose to the Texans, which is a very possible thing, too, especially with Derrick Henry potentially out of that one as well. We'll see if he can give it a go. But it's very frustrating. And I'll tell you what, another thing to take out of, I think, yesterday, this is the second time in three weeks we've watched DeAndre Washington run the football as the solo back I don't know about you Craig but I think this is another guy that might be a little gem if he ends up on another team next year with a good offensive line and a good offense not on a crap team but on like a good team man this guy could actually be a productive I think RB2 on a steady basis I really like what I saw out of him yesterday yeah I like him I just don't think that he's going to have that door open for him he would have to compete and probably be part of a timeshare somewhere but um, look he looked good a couple of years ago when they had to go to him he just kept getting hurt Right. Never was able to really seize the job. So um, we'll see. Not a bad call. But again, um, that door would have to be open and you'd have to see through that door to, to know that would have. If he ends up on a team where he's Gus Edwards, you know, completely different uh, story there. Uh, Isaiah Thomas, NBA of the Washington Wizards over the weekend. Joe, one of the fans is heckling him and he goes into the, the uh, stands. The video is out for everyone to see. And basically, Isaiah Thomas didn't do anything except for go into the stands and say, hey, don't do that. And then they came and got him and walked away. 
uh, one of the nicer players in the NBA, at least according to everybody who covers him and says that he's one of the you know happiest guys around. Uh, went to social media last night, very upset. Uh, but the precedent, I guess, had to be set. If you're an NBA player, you walk into the stands, you're going to get a suspension, two games for him. Joe, uh, do do fans have the right to go go in and, and heckle the players? Do the players have the right to ask the fans to stop? Where's the line drawn? Uh, yes and no. <laughs> there, there's the answer. Yes, they absolutely have the right to sit there and heckle and be jerks. And if you're the player, you could always go to, I'm sure, someone who works at the arena or your head coach or your assistant coach say, hey, can you go talk to somebody and get this guy out of the building because he's pissing me off or whatever it is, or at least go talk to the guy? You don't go yourself. Uh, We've seen melees in the past, whether it be, you know, uh, Meta World Peace at the time. He was was, Meta World Peace. But I mean, you can't go into the stands because once you go into the stands, you create an atmosphere of, oh, my goodness, it's okay to go into the stands at any point in time. And here's the nice guy going into the stands, maybe just to say, hey, would you please shut the hell up? But you can't set that precedent because what if the worst guy in the NBA goes out to the stands to shut somebody up with his fist? That's a problem. Absolutely suspend him. Thomas is 100% wrong. I'm sorry. You're making millions of dollars playing basketball. If you can't handle, if we can't get to a place here where you can't handle people tweeting mean things at you or saying mean things about you at your job, what 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 are you so in, insecure about? Maybe you should play better. How about that? You know, like, I don't know. I mean, I get heckled on Twitter sometimes. Maybe I should be a better analyst. You know what? Yeah, it hurts my feelings, but I'm not going to go cry and waste my time yelling back at some person into the ether. Who cares? You go out there, you put your nose to the grindstone, and you keep working, you get better at what you do, and you just ignore it. And, you know, I, I just, you, you can't go into the stance, Craig. Am I right? Yeah, probably not. It, it, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, precedent has to be set, and, and that's to avoid it for other players, for sure. But he didn't do anything. That's that's the hard part of this, is he just said to the fan, hey, don't do that. But you're right, Joe. Uh, the one term you used, I didn't realize you were 63 years old using the nose to the grindstone uh, little term there. Hadn't heard, Get off heard my that. lawn. I'm wow. old. Wow. Going back there. Well, well, I mean, you know, but seriously, I mean, this is this is part of the culture where everybody cares because of social media. Everybody cares so much about what people like about them. And they take so much about, you know, from social media about their own confidence in life about how they feel about things. It's nice to have nice things said about you. Of course it is. And it sucks when people say rude things about you. That's life. If you can't handle it, then don't be in a public scenario. I mean, what do you want from me? This It's just crazy. It's crazy. Somebody's heckling you. Could you imagine if somebody did that back in the day at Yankee Stadium? Imagine the awful things that the you know the guys in the Bronx would say about the opposing right fielder when they were out there. I mean, how about their on. own right? How about their own right fielder? And their own right fielder. <laughs> Better part. Right. Well done, Greg. Mitchell. Let's uh, <laughs> let's cap it off with Saturday Night Live. Uh, Eddie Murphy returned after 35 years, and uh, you know, I, I mean, I can't give this uh, a higher review. I thought it was great. And uh, now, full transparency here, I missed the last like 20 minutes. It just it got to the point where I, I it was it was on too late for me. But uh, brought back all of the old skits that he used to do, Joe. I mean, I can't say enough good things. It was really good to to see him back on and very funny, controversial too with some Bill Cosby comments, but. Uh, overall, I thought it was very funny. <laughs> that was the line of the night, by the way, the Bill Cosby line. Who would have thought back in the day that I would be the stay-at-home dad and Bill Cosby would be in jail? That I was, yeah. that was, and you know what? And, and then his remarks. See, I don't know why it's controversial because he said, "Hell, I would have taken that bet." <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> he, he said, "I'm right in it." That was the best joke of the night, and it was in the opening monologue. I thought the sketch. Um, they did one last year similar with Matt Damon and his family about, oh, you know, it's such a perfect Christmas and him and his wife sitting there and you remember like all the, the crap that goes on and you're frustrated trying to put the kids present together. And they did the African-American version of that, which was absolutely hysterical with the daughter having the white fiance and all these things. It was brilliant. Gumby was hysterical. 
it was the whole thing. And I thought Mr. Robinson's neighborhood, very clever. Now he lives in the gentrified neighborhood. They took the characters and then they kind of brought them into now, which I thought was really great. So it wasn't trying to recreate the past. It was trying to bring the past into what the future is. And I, that was great. He was terrific. More of this, please. More actors and really funny people on that show as hosts really makes the show. And Lizzo was great, too. Shout out to the Lizzo. Are you a fan of the Lizzo? Not a fan. Uh, not against Lizzo. She's great. She's, but, she's uh, fun. It, it was a good, uh, a good show. No question. All right. Coming up next, we start diving into the box scores uh, from the weekend. You're listening to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mission, Joe Pizzapino. Go on. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. The Monday Replay. Now here we had number Uh Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. Put your money where your mouth is and take a shot by opening up a sports wagering account with FanDuel, New Jersey's largest sports book. Go to FanDuel.com slash grid where you'll receive a free bet of up to $500. That's a free bet of up to $500 when you open up a sports wagering account at FanDuel.com slash grid. Point spreads, game totals, props, parlays, and in-game wagering on college and pro sports, and you're in control. Go to FanDuel.com slash grid. Open up your new account. Claim your free wager of up to $500 today. Yeah, it must be in New Jersey to take advantage of this offer. 21 years or older, eligibility restrictions apply. See website for details. If you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Joe Pizzapia here with you. Well, um, as I mentioned, I will not be playing for uh, a championship tonight. I thought that I'd be at the worst down 20 points owning Boone or owning Diggs. Uh, But in terms of picks, it was a great weekend for me, fortunately. So that softened the blow. This was the pick that I lost. The only one. This was the one that I lost. Took the Titans, and they looked good early on, and the Saints just roared back and took control. They won 38-28. Drew Brees, 279, three touchdowns. Alvin Kamara, 80 yards, two touchdowns. Ran in one from a long way out. Six catches, 30 yards. Michael Thomas broke the all-time single-season uh, receiving receptions record for a game. We'll see if he pads that next week. I doubt it, but we'll see. 12 catches, 136 and a touchdown. And Jared Cook, two of the last three weeks, talk about the tight end fantasy MVP. Uh, probably Cook, two of the last three weeks, had two touchdowns. Three catches, yeah. 84 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, Tannehill was fine, 272 and three uh, touchdowns. Their defense let them down late. Lewis played for Derrick Henry, 15 for 68, one for 19. So a last second flex got you seven or eight points. Not great. Tajay Sharp, ironically, somehow became uh, Tannehill's main target. Five for 69 there because uh, Moore was hurt. A.J. Brown rushed for a 49-yard touchdown. and threw something at the TV at that point. One for 34. Johnu Smith, <laughs> three for 69. And Smith looks like potentially a guy to look at, as we talked about last week, maybe for 2020. But, yep. uh, you know, the, the road the road, uh, the road road dog here in this case, Joe, it looked, it looked early on like Tennessee was definitely the right side. They were up 14 to three. Uh, they kept battling back. In fact, look, let's let's be transparent here. Uh, Tannehill threw a pass in the end zone that almost was caught and would have at least given the push. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Saints, uh, for whatever reason, the, the the Titans defense just completely. The Titans defense has been good, but it completely fell apart in the second half. But you got to give the Saints credit because they were the ones that got it done. 
Yeah, they were. And uh, there were some issues there earlier in the game, too. Breeze and Michael Thomas couldn't seem to link up, which is weird because that's pretty much all they've done all year. But they were having some issues there. They were in talk on the sideline. You could see them there in that game. Great to see Alvin Kamara finally have the game where everybody drafted him for 100 all-purpose yards, two touchdowns. That's what you want. Uh, I know you wanted to make fun of me with Jerry Cook and, oh, he's been around everywhere. Oh, he sucks. He's been here. He's been there. You know what? Oh, he'll be, be some, year. he'll be he's somewhere this year. year, too. The whole point of liking him this year was because you look at this team and the one thing they have, Michael Thomas is, is a genius. Alvin Kamara, incredibly talented. The one thing you could look at this off and say they really could use somebody in the red zone underneath. And that's been Jared Cook. And ever since Breeze has come back, Jared Cook has been a tight end one. That's not a joke. So even though this pick in the black book is the number one ROI tight end on the ADP board, look kind of bad in week five and six. By the time we're rolling up on week 16, it looks pretty good. And you're 100% right about Johnny Smith, by the way. Johnny Smith next year with Delaney Walker, who having moved on, I think you're getting a full offseason with him and Tannehill, hopefully together. Him, A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry. This is a really good little football team here, and they're starting to build something and maybe another couple pieces away. And I think this is a team that could really make a big push next year. I really do. Well, they could still get in this year. They're not done. Well, they started sure. in the hole with Mariota. You know, that didn't help. Yeah, yeah. And, and the other thing about this game, too, for people who didn't watch the game very closely like I did, is, you know, you have Tennessee on the 50-yard line of, you know, basically driving for the game-winning touchdown with with four minutes left in the game. You're getting a cover at the very least. And, um, and the quarterback, Tannehill, throws a pass to a receiver I had never heard of, uh, catches the ball, on the 20-yard line of the Saints and gets a concussion, drops the ball, Saints pick it up, run it all the way back, Saints end up scoring a touchdown, and that is how the game ended. If you're betting on sports, that's exactly the scenario you want. You want to be in there with a couple of minutes left to go in the game. You can't look back on this game and say it was a bad pick. It's just, hey, things happen. Bounces happen. That's why betting on sports happens. Ravens beat the Browns 31-15. to Speaking of which, Browns plus 10 looked real good for like three quarters, too. How about that one? Uh, Lamar Jackson, 238, three touchdown passes. Uh, Ingram going to be probably okay, but somewhat of a concern for people who own him heading into the fantasy playoffs. We'll have almost three weeks off before he has to play, so hopefully he'll be okay. He rushed uh, eight for 55, two for 36 pass uh, receiving and a touchdown. He was hurt. Uh, Andrews was one of my big stars all season long, every league, but uh, could not get me over the top. Six for 93, two more touchdowns. What a season he's had this year. I mean, the out, the, the out of nowhere tight end in all of fantasy football this year to, to uh, come through. No question. Uh, Mayfield, 192, two touchdowns, one pick. Chubb, 15 for 54. Beckham showed up finally, four for 44 and a touchdown. If you started him for some reason. Uh, Landry, if you started as a flex, fine, seven for 74. Unfortunately, Kareem Hunt was a bust for fantasy purposes yesterday. Just four catches for 33 yards. And uh, look, the Browns, I you know, as I was watching this game, I thought to myself, wow, the Browns are the team that has the secret sauce on, on Baltimore. It looked that way for it did, uh, it did. almost three quarters. It did. <laughs> And then their defense kind of fell apart a little bit. There was arguing again on the sidelines. Uh, look, Baltimore is without question in the last 10 years, they are at the level that New England has been at when they've clinched first round, clinched first over. They are as they have been as dominant as any team. 10 wins in a row. They're going to have home field. They're going to be at home in the first round. Uh, will they cover their first round of the playoff game? I don't know. Will they win? Yes. So it's just a matter of how far they get. It's not a matter of, of anything else except for that. Will they get shut down in a game or not? But I got to say, start to finish, this was the most dominant team in the end. And I'm, I'm throwing out week 17 because RG3 is going to play and all this stuff. But this was the most dominant team in the NFL this season, and it wasn't even close. Uh, yeah, I would definitely agree with that. They are the most complete team, too, I think, where you look at the offense and the defense. Uh, John Harbaugh post 
press conference was terrific where he said, I don't know if you caught this. He goes, should I say it? Should I say it? 36 touchdowns, just five interceptions. Pretty good for a running back. I love it. I love it. I mean, you could tell they're having fun doing it too, which is, I know it sounds kind of, you know, trite, but it, it is, it's, it's, it's the truth. When a team is playing well and feeling good about itself and has confidence, it's very difficult to stop it. Now, they are by far the most complete team. They are the best team in football. They're not unbeatable. They can be beat. And there's two teams in the AFC, the Chiefs, especially with the way the Chiefs defense has played lately. Uh, and I think the Patriots, because you see Bill Belichick twice, especially if you look at the second half of that game uh, against Lamar Jackson, they really slowed him down considerably. They just could not convert at all on offense, which has been their bugaboo all year. If they can get through the AFC, I don't think there's a team in the NFC that can beat them. I really don't. I think they are a lock to win the Super Bowl if they can get to it. So we'll see what happens in the playoffs. But you're right. A couple big things to take away here. Mark Ingram with that injury. Don't worry about it. It'll be fine. Ravens fans, you got a couple weeks here. But Justice Hill looked pretty good running the football. Now, there was a name that a lot of fantasy owners who people did not believe in Mark Ingram that could be a guy that would be useful this year. And he wasn't. He absolutely wasn't. However, it doesn't mean next year he can't be. Rookie running backs like Justice Hill tend to struggle with picking up pass blocking and some other issues. And this is a very unique offense. And I think it really needed a veteran running back in it to kind of help solidify what they're trying to do. Now that they've established this offense, you could see Justice Hill start to make some headway in this offense next year. So keep that in mind, dynasty owners. You're looking for, you know, maybe somebody soured on Justice Hill. You throw out a draft pick. Hey, you want my second round rookie draft pick for Justice Hill? Pluck him off. He's second year in the league. Mark Ingram's another year older. That might be something to uh, to take advantage of. And look, speaking of uh, things that are just going south, man, how about uh, how about that Browns team, man? What a what a disappointing, horrible, wretched season. I mean, Freddie Kitchens. Yeah, must they were know. the biggest disappointment this I year. I mean, he must know. He must know that, like, you know, okay, like, what time am I getting fired? I mean, really, it's right there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, look, I mean, there's it, it happens. It happens actually more frequently now than it used to. It was like unthinkable that you would fire a coach after one year. Um, you know, I think. I think it happens probably once every two or three years. Last year, Arizona did theirs. I think we'll see it now every year. I think was it the wrong a, choice to hire him? Was was it a bit of a I, look? I have no idea. Was I'm it not a mirage? I'm not in that he locker wasn't room. The head coach. Well, but I'm, uh, I'm asking you this question because I mean, the result. I mean, I, coach. I could just play the result, and that's not fair. Like I, I don't know what the process was. I have no idea. Right, but I'm saying going back to look re re reestablishing of course, the process. Joe, of course, he wasn't the coach when they I know, resurrected. But it's themselves. so easy for us to sit here in our oh, I'm not saying in our office and our underwear to do that. I'm not saying they should have hired Greg Williams. I'm saying is, do you think the process maybe was flawed? Because I don't, I don't know the answer. It, okay. it was, it's a billion dollar conglomerate, the Cleveland Browns. Like they obviously felt that that was the right choice to make. It's very easy for us to just say that that was that, you know, playing the result of it and even playing the process of it. But we don't know who was there. We don't know uh, what the owner said. Like the owner may have made it happen. Like there's so many factors that go involved, uh, I mean, it's easy to yell and scream and just say, oh, they should fire him. Oh, they should fire Jason Garrett. They should fire all these guys. But but the point is that we don't really know. Uh, the other thing that I would say is that I do think that um, I'll probably disagree with you on on uh, Baltimore. I mean, uh, I mean, look, they could get beat. I mean, I'm not ruling out. Actually, San I'm not ruling out San Francisco no, beating Baltimore I, at all. I am. I, they I'm played fantastic. How, how could you oh possibly God, say that New England they struggled against the Rams for half of that? They game. struggled against every every team. I mean, and they no, won all of them. I'll tell you what. I'll give another team in the AFC because uh, uh, as we were sitting here looking at the playoff picture, I think the Buffalo Bills can really compete with the Ravens because of what they could do in the secondary. And the they already played AI. against them. I know, and you and I both know that game could have gone very differently. And so could the game against San Francisco. What I'm saying, what I'm saying is, yeah, but the San Francisco game has really changed a great deal by the weather. 
that really impacted that game in a very significant way. I don't I'm think not that ruling is a great out the 49ers take. at all. That's fine. I played I'm, great against Lamar Jackson. And go, please, when they lose next week to Seattle and we're all looking at each other like, how do they lose to Seattle again? We'll see. I, I'm just saying, like, I'm not, I'm just not buying the wine and cheese 49ers quite yet. I, I know it sounds crazy. I know they got 12 wins, but I don't look at this weekend like, oh, wow, well, they really came back and beat the Rams. How great. Like, whatever. The Rams, they are far from the standard of, of, impressive from my perspective impressive was beating the saints that i'll give you that was the one lone impressive win i feel like they've had all year other than that nfc is a joke compared to the ravens compared to how good of a team the chiefs are when patrick mahomes is right i mean the texans are not a good football team but i think the bills are i think the bills are a team on the upswing 49ers saints that's your nfc championship game and then i think both of them are gonna have their hands full with the ravens well we'll see in a few weeks for sure uh, we'll take a quick time out on Fantasy Sports today. Coming back, uh, Christian McCaffrey goes up against the Colts and a surprising outcome in the Dolphins-Bengals game in terms of points. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzapia as we wrap up our number one of our two-hour show. Don't forget, Dr. Roto is coming up at 2 o'clock Eastern, and he'll have the latest around the league as we uh, shift toward the holidays, Christmas, and shift toward really fantasy football season being over. It's time to talk about some other stuff as far as I'm concerned. But uh, Colts, Panthers, 38-6. to of course, the only question would be is what McCaffrey did for a lot of championship teams. Uh, owners of McCaffrey had the highest percentage of getting to the championship of any player. Over 50% of leagues that were in the title game had him. We'll get to him in a minute. Uh, Colts didn't really need to do much in this game because Carolina was a disaster. Uh, Brissett, 119 yards and a rushing touchdown. Marlon Mack, if you suited him up, he did fine for you. 95 and a touchdown. Hilton was a disappointment. And if you had the wherewithal to start the Colts special teams defense, he got two punt returns for a touchdown from Naheem Hines, so good for you. Uh, I did not do that. I didn't see anybody doing that, but that was definitely the right move because Will Greer was completely overmatched in his first shot at quarterback and uh, looked like a absolutely pathetic, horrible game plan, which mm-hmm. was basically uh, throw the ball to McCaffrey as much as you can over the middle and don't even look at any of your receivers, and that's kind of what Greer did. So he threw three picks, including two ugly ones. McCaffrey, 54 yard rush yards, but 15 catches, 119 yards, and he absolutely came through for them. Uh, DJ Moore was hurt. Curtis Samuel was in and out of the game, so I can understand how Greer could have had some issues. But uh, the Colts end up finishing the season. They have seven wins, and they're, and what, what's going to happen is really interesting. We'll probably take a look at this, I think, either tomorrow or, or later in the week. Uh, their win total in Vegas is one win away from going over. So all of the really good feelings at the beginning of the season that came crashing down on going over that uh, went away. Uh, they had that losing streak, and now it's kind of back. They got one more win to go over. Of course, the Panthers clinched their under total two weeks ago. Uh, but McCaffrey owners were definitely satisfied, Joe. He was the MVP of the fantasy season without a doubt. He had 15 catches yesterday. He averaged about 30 fantasy points per game. It's really incredible. And um, 
you know, Carolina probably can't go into the season next year with Will Greer as a starter. I could see him developing as a backup. I still like Greer. Uh, was a really good uh, quarterback at West Virginia and, and at Florida. But Greg Olson, after the game, just scathing in his postgame press conference, saying they didn't it was a bad idea. and They didn't have they weren't prepared and it was terrible to do what they did to him. I couldn't believe it. It sounds like Olson's retiring, by the way, after. the year. Yeah, well, the the Olson press, I retired, too, after that press conference. The word failure was used over and over again. A failure at the top, a failure of the players, a failure of the coaching. He just was. He would just he came out in. and said, hey, yeah. when you lose 10 games in a row and you're, you know, pushing 40, <laughs> I'd, be, uh, I'd be pretty annoyed too, man. This is probably one of his last seasons, if not his last. I think this is it. Yeah. And that's not the way Olsen wants to go out. He's been a terrific player. He's had a great career. He's going to have a great career as a broadcaster. I mean, he, we all know automatically he's going to end up one of those desk shows somewhere. Um, and, you know, incredibly bright Fantastic. guy. Yeah. yeah. And, and likable and he's got all, you know, charisma in the world. DJ Moore getting hurt in this game really hurt Will Greer. I mean, he got hurt early in this game. And when you take away the best receiver that you have and one of the best receivers in football right now, it's going to hurt a young kid who's making his first start on the road and tough spot here with the Colts. I mean, look, they, they came through on special teams. That was really the story of this game. And Marlon Mack, that was pretty much it. Brissett did not play well, particularly. Um, so I don't know if they're going to regret the extension that they gave him. We'll find out. But I think they can win with Brissett as long as the rest of the team is healthy around him. So we'll yeah. see what they retool in the offseason. But you're you're right. Now here we are at the Panthers. And the Cam Newton situation's up in the air. Kyle Allen, I think we can all say as time went on, we got less and less impressed with Kyle Allen's abilities. And that's fair. He's limited. I think that's the best way to put it. You can win games with him, but he's limited. And Will Greer doesn't look like the answer either. So I'll pose this question to you. Is Jameis Winston... Oh, the no. quarterback no, of the Panthers next no, year. No, that's not no. the spot. No, no. Okay. And again, what do I know? Nothing. But I would say no. Uh, I I would guess I would, Car- no I would guess Carolina no. makes every effort to bring back Cam Newton. I agree. Or it's a complete tear down, and that would be really bad for Christian McCaffrey. Like devastatingly bad for him. And yeah, I don't know that you can you know do what? that. That that's like doing How can doing that worse? to Mike Trout. So are you saying it's going to be worse than? I mean, because it's still going to be DJ Moore. It's still going to be him. At worst, it's Kyle Allen again. I don't think they should. I he had the season with Kyle Allen playing should. quarterback most of the time. Look, Why would it be worse? They, they, uh, Greer, Greer. They're not having Newton, Allen, and Greer, so it's going to be. No, I agree. Yeah. So some. I mean, they. I mean, look, San Francisco has uh, Mullins, oh, well, Bethard. I was waiting for the Mullins name. <laughs> no, they have Mullen, well, I'm not saying that Mullins is going to leave, but they have Mullins, Bethard, and Garoppolo, so they have three capable guys too. I just find it hard to believe that Carolina would go into the season like, you know what you're getting out of the first two quarterbacks and you don't know the third. I think that you have to find out what Greer has, but that's more of a preseason. I don't think the new sure. coach is going to want any of them. I don't think Maybe. it's, it's, want very, it's very, look, it's very, it's very possible. Cam Newton. I also think that that this year and, and again, it's it's all it's almost impossible to top what McCaffrey did. Uh, I'll have to obviously see what happens in the offseason, but I will be very careful about McCaffrey next year. I don't what do you know. think I, Cam with Tampa. That's possible. Yeah, that's possible. Yeah, I could see Arians wanting that. Yeah, I could see that. That, that What I'm saying is, I I, I I mean, Newton's days of running are over, so it's just a matter of passing. But he was never a great passer either. It's interesting. It's interesting. All right, let's move on. Uh, Dolphins and the Bengals, 38 to 35. Dolphins uh, led this one. I turned the game off. They were up 23. And then I see the tweets coming in like, oh, my gosh, like it's getting close. And and Boyd just destroyed my day. Really, this was the day of Boyd like that. This was the one that I mean, Boyd had not come close to this point total in any game this season, not even close. And the dude puts up a 30 point day on me. Unbelievable. 
Fitzpatrick, four touchdowns, one interception. Miles Gaskin, 55 yards and a touchdown. Good for him. Good kid in college. Hopefully he'll be the backup for that team next year at running back. Uh, Devontae Parker, another good day. Five for 111 so and a touchdown. Is that a great <laughs> Every year? Every week. Every week. Dalton, 396, four touchdowns. Mixon, there was some talk before the season, uh, before the game that he was sick or something, but he still rushed for 50 yards. The he game got clearly. away from Mixon here, too. Like you said, they were down. So you could look at this and say, oh, it's a disappointing day for Mixon. A lot of fantasy owners are disappointed, but this is one where when you're down, like you said, the Dolphins are up. You go, okay, let's let's, let's turn this around, you know? Yeah, it, it came through all year for you. It's just, you know, things happen in, in the game. But Boyd, mm-hmm. as I mentioned, nine for 28, two touchdowns. Eifert, who nobody played, four for 57 <laughs> and a touchdown as well. Eifert will be back, of course, with Cincinnati next year as the as the tight end that nobody drafts and nobody plays. But uh, the Dolphins really, um, at least the sentiment here in South Florida, Joe, the Dolphins really uh, blew it for a lot of fans. They felt like this was the perfect game where, you know, the Bengals did not throw the ball, I think, in overtime or something like they just basically I know. I don't think they gave up, but it, it looked kind of like they were like, all right, we're done once they got to overtime and they were willing to hand this one over to Miami. Um, yeah, this this is going to end. I mean, Miami now has zero shot of drafting Joe Burrow, none. Because the only shot that they would have had would have been sitting in the two-hole, Joe, and and offering the Bengals the world. The Bengals may have taken the world for Joe Burrow. They may have done that because they're so far away from being good. Now you have to jump at least three teams here. And this whole season of Miami tanking, it's really peculiar because they traded all their players away to try and finish with the top pick in the draft. At least that was the management's point of view. This guy Flores did a great job coaching them up. Maybe that was a surprise. But if you're going to do this before the year, I think you kind of have to try and secure the second pick in the draft or the third pick in the draft or the fourth pick in the draft. They did this. to, And there's a look. They're not going to beat the Patriots, but they did this to be in a spot to pick fourth or fifth uh, and maybe take Tua, who's hurt with a hip and out six months. I don't know like this. I well, hate to Tua say the Dolphins are the, back down this road again. I know. But, well, if two is the consolation prize, that's not terrible. I understand the risk. Boy, but, you can't, you, Joe. You cannot count on Tua right now. I mean, I know. Serious, serious injury. I mean, I, look. Well, everybody said to, Adrian. I'm saying everybody said Adrian Peterson had a serious injury too. Remember, nobody wanted to touch him in the draft, and he went out there and was absolutely brilliant. In his first not year. like this at all. Not even close. Adrian Peterson? What are you talking about? I remember Adrian he had Peterson? a torn ACL. Nobody wanted to touch him as a running back, and then he came on and had a brilliant rookie season. So you're yeah. saying Adrian Peterson did not play his final year at Oklahoma? What are you talking about? No, What's no, the- I'm saying I'm saying he got hurt in his final year. He no. had a torn. Yes, he didn't start. Adrian his Peterson? Year. I'm almost 100 percent sure. Final he year in college ACL. football? I thought he had a torn ACL at the end there, and then nobody wanted to touch him, and that's why he fell in the draft. Maybe I'm remembering it wrong, but I'm almost positive of this because I remember drafting him in, as a rookie and going, why does nobody want to take a shot on this kid? Uh, Are you Googling? I, is that the, is that the sound yeah, of smoke? I'm, I'm, I, looking, I, I'm looking it up. I thought yeah. he did because he tore both over his career. And the, we all know what happened the second time he came back and he rushed for 2,000 yards <laughs> the second time he tore one where everybody wrote him off. I mean, maybe so. He played seven games that year. So right. I don't know. Maybe you're yeah, right. He tore know. his ACL. Nobody wanted to touch him. And he fell in the draft. And he in fantasy drafts, I drafted him everywhere because I said, well, this guy is just way too talented not to take a shot on because he's basically free. And I won a lot of leagues that year because Adrian Peterson. So. Uh, like I said, I was pretty sure of that. So uh, we confirmed that that's when he tore his ACL. I, I have not confirmed it, no. If he only played seven games, I think we've kind of done the math there, didn't we? 
Um, <laughs> I mean, why else would he only play seven games? Was he out with a booster or dinner? I'll, I'll, I'll have to check. I don't. I don't remember it's him. Okay, being these. Hurt that, in that's why we're here for each other. We we help. Well, it was a long time ago, you know. It's, it, but I'm just saying. I I distinctly remember it because he was a big question in drafts as a rookie. Do you want to take the rookie? He's so talented. No, no, no. Nobody wanted to take him, and I took him everywhere. And I won a lot of leagues that year because of Adrian Peterson. And then. I won a lot of leagues the second time around after the second ACL when everybody said, no, I can't touch him. He just two ACLs. He's never going to be the same player. And then he rushed for 2000 yards and he was absolutely brilliant. And I had the challenge Eric Dickerson's all time record that year. And I won a lot of leagues that year based on that. So, you know, he's, he's been that guy his whole career. So. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm checking here. 2000 and, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't see this at all, um, Joe, as, as being the kid. No, in fact, he played um, in their bowl game against Boise State. So, I, But I, I thought he had a knee injury of some kind. I could have sworn he did. Maybe during the year, but he played. He played for them at the bowl okay. game. He played all through. He played through. He, You know what? Something must have happened in October that he missed some time. He had he, some kind of knee injury, whether it was a sprained ACL or tw- something he did. happened. He did, but here's the point. Okay. Tua is having surgery and is missing six months of time and can't get on a football field to play in any of the college bowl games, including the senior bowl, may not be able to participate in the combine. You're taking a huge risk on a guy. I'm not saying that Tua may not turn it around and be completely fine, but when you hear that even the, the injury is even comparable to Bo Jackson's, I don't think that you could just simply just dismiss all that. I don't well, know. now that you've now that you've won this football game, uh, even a tie would have been a better scenario for them. So now that you've won and it, it's a crapshoot, what what would be your approach as general manager of the Dolphins? How would you approach this? Would you not? It seems seems like you would not take the shot on Tua. Would you continue? I think to they offer have no choice. To. I think they have to take Tua. I don't, I don't think That's there's a I choice. Think. Yeah, but but again. It would have been much better to have the number one pick. <laughs> like that's <laughs> of course that's what they should have done. That's you you traded Fitzpatrick and Drake and Tunsil and all this stuff to get the fifth pick. It just doesn't make sense. This was a wasted year. It doesn't make sense. And I'm not a Dolphins fan, but that is no, the sentiment. That is the sentiment for a lot of people here in South Florida is that so many times, Joe, and you know this following the Dolphins. How many times have the Dolphins been seven and nine or eight and eight over the last decade? No, it's the Jets every year. Jets are six and ten, and they can never rebuild because right, of it. right. But at least they got Darnold that one year. They had the that third one pick. year, right? right. So that this was that one year that the Dolphins needed that, and they didn't do it. <laughs> and and now who's to say that? And by the way, who's to say that my that exact everything that I've just said is incorrect? Because it's possible that Tua all of a sudden is 100% healthy. And all of a sudden, Tua becomes the number two pick Joe in the NFL draft or the number three pick Joe. And they don't get him either. Just, I mean, then what are you doing? You're waiting for Trevor Lawrence the following year? Because I got to tell you, these other guys in, that are going into the NFL draft, the quarterback, they're going to be highly touted. They do not compare to these two guys that I'm talking about. Herbert included. Love. Did you watch Love play uh, in uh, against Kent State on Friday night? I mean, he's okay. He's okay. He's going to get drafted high. He's not nearly as good as those guys. So I have my concerns for sure for the Dolphins. Coming up next, we go back into the best of the first hour. Then hour number two is on board. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. 
all major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. As we wrap up the first hour of the show, here's what you missed. I've been writing about Kenny Drake for three years now, waiting and waiting and waiting for this. And I finally gotten this and it feels good, except for the fact that I don't have him anywhere because I could not stomach. I had to drop him in all these spots earlier in the year because he's just dead weight. He was dead weight on that Dolphins team and there was nothing you could do. You need to win games. You have to make tough decisions. But I'm happy because next year, Kenyon Drake is in a good spot if he resigns, if he ends up somewhere else. Uh, maybe the Chiefs will look after him. Maybe that's possible. There's a couple other teams we've talked about that could use a running back, but I think he is best served to say put right where he is. Chase Edmonds, I think, is going to be better in a backup role anyway. You just sprinkle him in a little bit here and there. But right now, man, a great win for the Arizona Cardinals and a great win for fantasy owners having Kenyon Drake basically go off there and lead you to a championship. Like you said, just a terrific performance. Yeah, and and hopefully he's able to get himself right because I will not be buying in at all next year just based on the things that happened in Miami. Um, it's good that he had this little run here, but I'm curious to see what happens with him when he gets paid. And that's going to be, uh, to me, one of the big, big uh, concerns that I have going into 2020. But certainly he ended up carrying off the year very well. And we'll be right back with more fantasy sports today. Hour number two, if you're listening live or if you're listening on demand, this is FNTSY Radio, Craig Mish, Fantasy Sports Today. <laughs> 